This podcast may not be suitable for young listeners. We discuss very emotional topics and at times use grown-up language. Each episode could contain content that may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Secret in My DNA. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Michelle Perret. The Secret in My DNA is a podcast where NPEs and MPEs can share their stories. NPE is an acronym for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. MPE means Misattributed Parental Event. This means that we've discovered that at least one assumed parent is not our biological parent. In 2016, I found out I was an NPE after taking an ancestry DNA test, and suddenly life as I knew it was no longer the same. On this podcast, we share the experience of making our DNA discovery and what the journey has been like since. Most people cannot empathize or understand unless they've lived it. I find the podcast platform to be a wonderful way for us to come together as a supportive community in which we can heal from the trauma and take back our narrative by sharing our stories with the hope that this will help others to cope with their new life-altering truth. Welcome to episode 12, hashtag mom lied. My guest today is Debbie. Hi, Debbie. It's so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. So I think the first question I'd like to ask you is what made you want to share your story? Um, sure. I wanted to share my story because much like everyone else, once you find out something that's life-changing, like we find out, you look for people to talk to and to help you and, and to listen to you. And so I want to be there for others and help them. And I think sharing my story is a good way to do that. I, I struggled. I don't know if you had this experience or not, but I struggled in the beginning to talk about it. Like I didn't, I was kind of embarrassed and I didn't want people to know that, you know, my mom lied and I found my dad and he's alive. And I remember I was sitting with some pretty good friends one day and I just said, yeah, I've been in therapy. My dad's not dead. And I sort of spilled my guts to them and they were all kind of looking at me like, wait, what? But they were all so lovely and kind and hugged me and, you know, were amazing to me. And I think that was the turning point for me where I was like, okay, it's okay to share this information with people. And it made me want to, to share my story and to help others and and that kind of thing. So there's, yeah, there's not a lot that I worry about anymore. It is what it is and it happened the way it happened. And so. I truly appreciate your willingness to share your story and to help others to not feel alone on this journey. Would you like to tell the listeners a little about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name's Debbie, as you said. I live in southeastern Idaho. Um, I am a life coach. I have three biological children and three stepchildren and a wonderful grandbaby and a wonderful dog. Um, I've known for almost three years, or I found my biological dad about three years ago now, so that's how far I am into my journey with my biological family. And how did you make this discovery and subsequently find your birth father? 
So I knew that I was being raised by my stepdad. My mom and biological father divorced when I was very young, probably like a year and a half or two years old. And uh, I was born in Utah and relocated to Idaho. And um, when I was six years old, five years old, my stepdad adopted me. Um, So I was kind of told all my life that my dad was not a good person. He didn't want us. Um, I have two older siblings that are full biological siblings as well. And we just were led to believe that he didn't want us to be in his life. And once I became an adult, my mom told us that he passed away. So I'd lived most of my life thinking that he didn't want us and, or he was gone. And, uh, I decided as an adult that I wanted to find someone that had a connection to my dad. And so I decided to do a DNA test and see if I could find someone out there. I thought there had to be someone, a a cousin, an aunt, someone that knew him that I could, you know, connect with. And so that's why I did the DNA test initially. And what did you discover when you took that DNA test? After I took the test, I didn't connect with anyone that I thought was related to my dad. We have a very common surname. Our last name is Smith <laughs> and there was no Smiths on there. And so I didn't think that it, I was connecting to anyone. I just kind of, I was very frustrated and I kind of gave up. And um, my half sister who I didn't know existed took a DNA test as well. And she emailed me in January of 2019 but for some reason I didn't see it until April. And she emailed me and asked me where I grew up and started just kind of asking me questions here and there. And then she asked me if I knew my siblings' names. And my husband and I were actually on vacation at the time and I looked at him and I said, I know my siblings' names, how does this person know my siblings' names? And so I emailed her back and I told her that they were my siblings and that I wasn't raised by my biological father and I understand he's dead. And she emailed me back and told me that she was my sister. My dad indeed was not dead, is not dead. And I also have a half brother. Wow. You must've been pretty blindsided. It was an amazing discovery. Um, but yeah, it's shocking. You know, it's, it's a really yeah, you just don't kind of know what to do with that information for a minute. Yeah. And so what happened? What did you do? Um, we were on vacation. She and I emailed back and forth for a couple of days. Uh, as I said, we were on vacation. And so I, I kind of said, you know, once I get home, I'll be able to communicate better. We'll talk a little more. Um, I, of course, needed to tell my siblings that I had found him. Um, so I came home, we scheduled a, a FaceTime phone call and I let my siblings know that our dad was alive, much like me. They were kind of confused, little, a little shocked, confused. Um, but we, we, we talked to him on the phone. Um, for me, it was really comforting because he had told our siblings about us. They always knew we existed. He had actually tried to find us through different avenues. Um, my adoption was in 1974, so not anything like it is now. Um, 
And it was easy for my mom to, for lack of a better word, lose us. And did you confront your mom about this at some point? We haven't confronted our mom. Well, after I told my siblings, we decided not to tell her that we found him because she's been really ill. Um, She has some dementia and we didn't want to put her over the edge. So whether that's good or bad, I don't really know, but we've never, we haven't told her. Our stepdad knows Um, when I called him, my siblings sort of made it my responsibility to let him know that I was the one that had found our dad. Um, And when I called him and told him, the first thing he said was, well, you wanted me to adopt you. So that was alarming. (laughs) What do you suppose he meant by that? I don't know. I, I mean, I was only five at the time. Like I said, my siblings are six and seven years older than I am. So they have memories of our dad. Um, he lives in Canada now. They got to spend a summer with him in Canada. I was too young. I, I literally have no memories of him at all as a child. So for me, it's a different experience than it is for them. Um, we weren't, we weren't allowed to talk about him. When we did talk about him, we were shut down very quickly. We were, you know, it's just not what you did. You just didn't have questions. You know, we, I found a dad for you. You're fine. We're good. Everything's fine. Move along. Unfortunately, we all know that's not how life works. Right. So, so I don't know. I don't know if he felt, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel felt guilty, bad. Um, we've never talked about it since that day. So do you feel like there's any animosity with him about you looking for your birth father? Do you think that that um, upset him at all or, um, or threatened him at all? I can, I can see that it could possibly have threatened him. I didn't outwardly look for my biological dad. No one ever knew that I was taking a DNA test. No one ever really knew that I was looking um, we, it's, it's just the theme of our family to not talk about it. That's a very common theme. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of DNA test did you take that connected you to your unknown half sister? Ancestry. I did the ancestry okay. test. Okay. That's what I started with as well. Yeah. Um, so how many half siblings did you end up finding that you did not know about? Two, a younger sister and a younger brother. Okay. And they have been receptive to, um, meeting you and your other siblings that you were raised with? Yes. Yeah. They've been great. It's with the the experience with my, now my new family, my biological family has been very, very good. I talk to my dad about once a week. Um, we FaceTime. Um, I text with my siblings. Um, so it's been really good. We've, I've pre COVID, of course, my husband and I got to go to Canada and met them in person. And unfortunately we haven't been back since then, but you know, I did at least get to go and hug them and meet them and spend some time with them. So that was really nice. I'm really glad to hear that. I know the pandemic has kind of thrown a monkey wrench into a lot of, um, NPEs, actually getting to meet their birth families. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been, you know, hard 
traveling yeah. during the pandemic, but I'm so glad that you had that experience and that you'll have more chances to see them in the future. And I'm so glad that they were receptive to meeting you yeah. and being a part of your life. Yeah, it was, it was really nice to hear that they knew we existed and, you know, the things that they had done to try and find us. Um, that was a big deal. You know, it's not like she sure. was surprised, like a lot of people are, wait, I have a sister. What is this? <laughs> so that was Yeah, good. it's usually a shock to the other family. Right. Yeah. Um, has your birth father given you any indication of why things went down the way that they did or, or maybe a different story than you were led to believe growing up? No, not necessarily. Um, he was a long haul truck driver, so he was gone for, you know, periods at a time, a couple weeks or so here and there. Um, he will not say anything negative about my mom. He's, he's very kind. He says, I'm sure she was a good mom. She was always a good mom. Um, I'm probably the one that brings up any sort of negative or, um, you know, anger, anything like that. He's very kind about her. Um, she, he did tell me that she asked him to sign his rights away so that our stepdad could adopt us. And he told her no. And then once he came back from his drive and would, you know, have his time to check in, our phone number had changed and, you know, he didn't know where we were. Um, when he was looking for us, it was hard for him to find us because he didn't know what our last names had been changed to. He didn't know. He thought we lived in Idaho, but he didn't know what city. So that obviously presented a problem. Um, she had kind of cut ties with all of his family. She had, um, it's my understanding his sisters had kind of helped her with some things and she just quit talking to them as well. You know, she lost us. She just, she lost us. That's the word I use is lost. It, it sounds nicer. <laughs> so. And by lost, do you mean like she was hiding you guys from yes. them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 How do you feel about all of it? What are some of the things that you have felt throughout this? You said three years, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> the first year was pretty amazing. I think I was pretty euphoric the first year, getting to know my family, lots of contact, lots of emails, you know, lots of sharing stories and talking about our children and, you know, different things like that. And then after about the first year, I was very emotional. I was very angry. I was really struggling. Uh, that's when I decided to go to therapy um, and work through, try to work through all that stuff. Um, as you know, it kind of never really goes away. You know, there's always a lot of, you'll remember something or you'll miss a, miss something that something happened on a holiday or, you know, a birthday or something and mm -hmm. get a Christmas mm -hmm. card in the mail and you start crying and, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, um, and I think I'm still angry. I mean, that's, you know, I was 51 when I found them and all I kept thinking was I had 51 years that I could have had a relationship with my dad and, you know, 40 plus years of having a relationship with my siblings and, you know, so 
yeah, definitely angry, confused. I don't, you know, there's, there's always the why, you know, why would you do that? Why would you take us away? Why would you, you know? It has to be hard to know that you're never going to get those answers from your mom. It is, but I honestly believe that she probably wouldn't give them to us anyway. I think, I think that she, in her mind, she will go to her grave with her reasons. And I think if we, if we had never found our dad, she would have gone to her grave with her reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many NPE stories you've heard, um, but I hear a lot mm-hmm. of NPE stories doing what I do and being in some of the support groups that I'm in um, online. And that seems to be a really common theme with many of our mothers, my, mine included. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is very confusing and very angering um, because uh, same thing for my mother. There's, there's no way that she would ever admit or give an explanation. And had I not taken my DNA test, which I did just for fun, mm-hmm. um, had I not done that, she, she would have taken this secret to her grave. If your mother was in a, in a place health-wise where you could talk to her about this and ask mm-hmm. her questions or tell her how you feel about all of this being kept from you, what would you want to say to your mom? I would just want to know why. I think that she, I think that she probably thought she was doing the right thing. But I also think she was very afraid. I think that she had a fear of not, like, what if we chose him over her? What if we liked the stepmom more than her? You know, just that worry of he relocated to Canada, so we're going to go to Canada every summer. And, you know, how's that going to look? I just, I don't know that she could handle that. Not that I think that that makes it okay, because I don't think it does, but I do think that that's was her motivation. Okay. I think that if I went to her and said, hey, look, I found him, she wouldn't be happy for me. She would be mad at me. Hmm. I, don't, I don't think it would be a happy occasion for her. I think it would be a very upsetting thing for her. Hmm. Which is why we chose not to tell her, or partly why. Yeah. And then if, you're, if your birth father had not relinquished rights to you guys, how was she able to change your last name and have your stepfather adopt you? Right? <laughs> so since finding out, and while I was in therapy, I actually uh, went to the courthouse and got my adoption file. And so I have the home visit letter and, you know, all the information. And um, in the letter, it says our dad didn't want us. He didn't provide support for us. She didn't know where he was. All of the things that you would say if you were trying to hide your children. And... um, you have to publish in the newspaper when there's not a 
when someone doesn't sign their rights away, you have to publish in the newspaper. And so they published in our local newspaper rather than publishing in an area in Utah where he used to live, where his family was still located or in Canada where he actually lived. So he didn't have an opportunity to see it anyway. So they lied and they were able to do the adoption. That's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. And after I got my adoption file, I was able to get the judge to sign an order so that I could get a copy of my original birth certificate. So I do have that as well that has my biological dad's name on it. And I know that it gets the different, the different weird and crazy laws that are around adoption and, and all of the things um, I know get talked about quite often on the podcasts. And when I got my birth certificate, there's a big red stamp on it that says I'm not allowed to use it in legal proceedings. What does that mean? Like what kind of legal proceedings? I think any. So if I want to change my name or if I, you know, this or that or the other thing, you just, you know, you can't do things. You can't do things just because you want to, just because you're an adult, because the law protects the parent. So my mom is protected from me doing whatever I want to do. My mom and stepdad ultimately, right, are protected from me changing my name or, I don't know, reversing an adoption, whatever, whatever you would choose to do, right? So if you wanted to change your last name to your birth father's last name, which would have been your true last name, you would not be able to do that? I can change my name as an adult, but I can't change the legal records. So if you look at, you know, like without DNA and you look at someone's family tree and it says, you know, father A is this person's dad, but he adopted her and you never know who the biological dad is. You can't really put that stuff back in a legal manner. Okay. So, I mean, I could change my name all day long if I want to, but that's okay. not really the important step necessarily. Right. Hmm. It's, it's very frustrating because, you know, I'm a woman in my 50s. I have DNA to prove who my dad is. I now have my original birth certificate as well as a copy of my adoption file but I can't, I'm not allowed to take that to a judge and say, here, can we put it back like it's supposed to be? Because that's not legal. That's not how they do it. And even though it was falsified and lies mm -hmm. were told, it, it still wouldn't matter. Correct. That's my understanding. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I, I did work for lawyers for years. And so I've been fortunate enough to have people that have helped me. But, you know, that's my understanding. Yeah. Mm, that's tough. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I Yeah, I can't imagine how frustrating that is. Where, where are you at now in your... Well, let me ask you this first. Do you consider yourself to be an NPE? I consider... So I'm not the definition of an NPE the way... It's so weird because these are all like new words that people have kind of had to create for all these crazy situations that were ha that are happening, right? Yeah. So I kind of consider myself an MPE, an so MPE. misattributed where my mom lied and, right. you know, 
I've, I've been hesitating to use the word kidnapped, but it's kind of what happened. You know, she took us away and so. Sure. I mean, nowadays yeah. you really couldn't, I don't think you could really get away with that. I mean, things are so, especially if you're right. married, you get a divorce. If you were to take the kids and try to leave the state or leave the country, that would be a huge, huge issue. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what they were able to get away with back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Where are you at in your journey currently? I'm still building a relationship with my biological family. Um, sometimes it's harder than others, you know, when you don't, it's just a weird thing. You know, you're my sister, you're my brother, you're my dad, but I only have known you for a minute. And, you know, as an adult, you have those, are they going to like me? Are they not going to like me? Will they accept me? Will they think I'm strange? You know, what do they do at Christmas and Thanksgiving? You know, you sort of have all those things. Whereas I think as a child, you don't really notice or care and you just think, oh, it's my dad. And, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, so I think it's just kind of always a continual, it's just always a process. I don't know that there's ever a time when you don't feel like it's just not the same as growing up with that family or those people. And I've been lucky. I mean, I have, I have a great, my experience has been great. It's been great. Do you ever find yourself mourning what should have been or memories that you should have had, experiences that you should have had with your birth father and with your other siblings? Yes, often. Yeah. And your, the siblings that you grew up with, do they struggle with the same things? I don't think that they struggle as much as I do. Um, we weren't very close growing up. They're enough old, years older than I am that we didn't go to school together. We didn't have, you know, the same, we didn't have friends in common. Um, they were moved out of the house by the time I was 12 or 13 years old. Um, so we've never been super close. Um, this did bring us a little closer when we found our dad, but we've kind of drifted apart again. So we all sort of have independent relationships with our parents. You know, I talk to the, my family in Canada on my own. I, you know, we never, sometimes I find out things that are going on with my siblings here from my family in Canada, because they've told them things that they haven't shared with me. And it's not, I don't think it's intentional. It's just the way it's been. So, Yeah. And I know the pandemic has made things really tricky with regard to, you know, reunions and traveling and things like that. But um, prior to that, um, had you all been able to get together at the same time, meaning you, your siblings that you grew up with and your birth family on your father's side? No, I'm the only one that's gone to Canada to meet them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think they were going to try and come to the States and have a trip and, and see everyone, but, um, that didn't happen. So do you foresee that happening in the future? I hope so. I don't know. It's just so hard to say. And our dad's 80, you know, he's in good health and he's well, but he's 80, you know, so it's to be considered. 
I have a question for you. This is this is interesting for me because in my situation, unfortunately, um, by the time I made this discovery, um, sadly, my birth father had passed away eight months prior to me even finding out about him. And when he passed away, um, he didn't know anything about me. He didn't even know that I existed or that he had a child. So what was that like for you since you did have the opportunity to meet your birth father? Um, what was that like for you? Boy, it's incredibly nerve wracking until it happens. <laughs> um, you know, we flew obviously to Canada. So the whole trip was very, I was just nervous the entire time. Um, we had spoken a number of times FaceTime. So we had seen each other's faces and there was, you know, a bit of a comfort level with that. So that was nice. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's very surreal. I mean, it's a moment you'll never forget. Um, I think we were all very tense and very nervous, but it didn't take very long for us to feel comfortable and, and enjoy each other. Um, my stepmom is very outgoing, very funny, and she very quickly broke the ice. So I was really grateful to have her there kind of you know, <laughs> running the show kind of, if you will. Um, so it was good. There wasn't, you know, I, I didn't know if we would start crying or if we would hug each other or how it would be, but it was just kind of a very surreal moment of, Hey, we're here. Hi. And just, you know, we had pizza and some drinks and got to know each other and then spent a few days together. And it was really nice. I cried a lot when we left. That was hard. I'm so happy for you that you had that experience. Mm -hmm. That's, that's amazing. Yes. I, I count myself among the very lucky and blessed because I know that there are so many like yourself who will never have that opportunity. And so I do count myself as a very lucky person. Yeah. Yeah. I'd give anything for that. And, I, and I'm so happy that, that you had that, that you're able to actually look into his eyes and mm -hmm. watch his mannerisms and maybe even see parts of yourself, you know, in him. Mm -hmm. That's, that's truly amazing. I get that a lot with my sister. We get told we look alike a lot um, and our mannerisms are the same. And, yeah. you know, we kind of, we get that a lot, which is, I love it. It makes me, it makes me feel like I belong to them and it's nice. So now what is the age difference between you and your newly found half siblings? My sister is three years younger than I am. And my brother is 10 years younger. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of us that go. <laughs> And do you yeah. have any nieces and nephews on that side? Two nephews. My sister has two sons. And I actually haven't got to meet them yet. They're adults and, you know, moved on, moved out of the house. And yeah. so I didn't get to meet them when we went. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I have my three kids and a grandbaby and, you know, they haven't met them. And my siblings, my older siblings, both have children and grandbabies. So they... They gained a lot of family when they found us. I'm, I'm finding it so hard to wrap my mind around you being a grandparent because I don't know if my <laughs> listeners know this, but um, I do these interviews um, over video call. 
And so I can actually see Debbie on video. And when I tell you that it's truly unbelievable that she's a grandmother, my mind is a little bit blown right now. Well, thank you. That's very sweet. <laughs> I, I seriously thought you were younger than me. <laughs> so when you said you had a grandbaby, I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm in my 50s. I was 51, 51 when I found my dad. And it was actually kind of interesting because I said earlier I was on vacation. My husband and I were on vacation. So it was actually my birthday was the day that my sister emailed me back and said, he's not dead. He's actually alive. It was my birthday. So, yeah, it was a pretty great birthday gift. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would have been so shocked. I, I probably would have fallen out of my chair. Well, yeah, we were in, uh, we were drinking wine in Napa Valley and I just started bawling. Oh. I was just crying. We're in a little restaurant. And my husband's like, we got to go because people are going to think something's wrong with, like I'm upsetting you or something. He's like, we got to get out of here. No, he was very sweet. He was, my husband, my husband's actually adopted. He always knew he was adopted and he has found his biological mom years and years ago. So he's been such a great person to have through this journey. I've been, I've just been so lucky with so many my husband's been great. My kids have been amazing. My family's been amazing. It's been a really, other than just the whole, like, why did all this happen? The whole crazy, the whole, you know, that other than that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm so, I'm really glad that you have him as a support too. It seems like he's someone that would, you know, really understand what it's like to want to know where you come from and especially as an an adoptee. Mm -hmm. If there are any parents listening today who have been untruthful with their child or their children about their true parentage, what would you say to them? I know that that's such a hard question because it's such a hard thing. Um, Ultimately, I would say tell the truth. I don't know if that means that you sit down with a therapist or if you, I mean, I don't know the best way to do it. I don't know I don't, I can't even envision in my brain what that would have looked like for me if my mom would have done that. Um, So that's hard for me to say, but I just ultimately think it's just so heartbreaking when you find out the truth. It's so upsetting when you learn that your mom has told you the biggest lie in the entire world. And they might, your child might be mad at you for a minute or a long, long, long minute, but ultimately they will be so much happier with you if you are the one who tells them the truth. I think you said that perfectly. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm I, crying. I, just, <laughs> I know that would be, I just think it would be a horrible position to be in. And and I've heard other people say it before. There's There's always circumstances, right, where you want to protect your children or need to protect your children. But the bottom line is they have a right to know, you know, everyone says that we have a right to know. And I remember, so therapy was one of the greatest things I ever did. And I will hands, hands down 
never regret that. I would recommend therapy to anyone and everyone to, to deal with these things. And I remember when I was at my therapist's one time and I was trying to explain to her and I said, you know, it's like, it's like you're two halves of, you know, you're your mom, half your mom, half your dad. And for me, my mom's side was full. I knew my, I didn't really know that family either because she took us away from them too. She took us away from all of our family, our biological family kind of hit us. So I didn't really know them, but I at least knew who they were. And I heard stories about them and, and I had, you know, I look enough like my mom that I was never, that was never a thing I had to deal with. Um, I had a full side as far as my mom was concerned, but the other side of me was empty. And every time someone said something bad about my dad or told me how lucky I was to have my stepdad, you know, every time they, there was just some sort of negative thing about my biological dad, it felt like I was the one being attacked. I was the one, well, I'm half of him, so I'm half bad, you know? Um, and my stepdad's great. He took good care of us. He took on three children from my mom. He was, he's a good guy, but he's not my dad. He is, he raised me, I love him. He's amazing, but he's not my dad. Do you ever have people say things to you, certain phrases that I, I like to call toxic positivity, where they'll say things to you like, well, your dad's still your dad, or you're still the same person, um, those types of little phrases? I was told those phrases my entire life. I think that's how my, the elders in my family made themselves feel better about the choices that they made. Mm -hmm. Your mom found you a dad. He's great. He's taking care of you. You're fine. Get on with life. I'm so sorry. Yeah, we got that our entire lives. Yeah. Yeah. It was the same for me. My, my mother remarried when I was um, somewhere between seven and eight. And I was made to erase everything prior to that. I was not allowed to see who, the man who I thought was my father, who, you know, turns out was not actually my father. Um, everything just kind of got erased. I wasn't allowed to speak about it. I wasn't allowed to ask about it. I just had to move on. And now my stepfather was my father. And um, very, very bizarre. It was kind of similar. It was like, you know, being hidden away and mm -hmm. being forced to go down this other path and start this new life with a different father and pretend like nothing else prior to that existed, which is very confusing for a child, right? Yes. How do you, how do you reconcile that as a kid? this whole new reality that the adults in your life are kind of shoving you into and making you fit into. It can be confusing even, even as an adult, because I mean, how many times did you go to the doctor and they want your medical history and you're like, well, I don't know. Or, you know, I remember I would have friends come over and they would say, you know, something about my dad and this and that. And I'm like, well, he's not really my dad. He's my stepdad. And that's why, 
you know, this and that and the other thing. Well, where's your dad? Well, I don't know. And then you're this person trying to explain this weird thing. And well, how do you lose your dad? Well, I don't know. He just didn't want me. And then you, you know, well, I'm just gonna change the subject because that's uncomfortable. You know, I mean, it's all just very heavy. Yeah. And that should never have been on you as a kid. Ever. I agree. Yeah. What advice or guidance would you like to give other NPEs or MPEs, um, late discovery adoptees, anybody who's made this discovery late in life to help them cope, heal, accept this new identity and be okay on this journey? I think the best piece of advice is that you're not alone. Um, it's funny because you, I know your story, you were a very early person who did a, you know, have the DNA surprise. Um, there's a few other ones. By the time I made my discovery, the Facebook groups had kind of started and I was able to be part of that. Um, my advice would be to pause and take a breath and wait a minute, give yourself some time to process, particularly before you start asking questions and making phone calls. I think that's pretty important. If you can, I know it's hard. I mean, I would never, everybody's story is different. Everybody's experiences are different. So it kind of is what it is. But I think if you just give yourself a minute, that can be really helpful. Um, hopefully, if you have someone in your life you could talk to, I was fortunate enough to have my husband. Um, you know, he was amazing, has been amazing with all of this. Um, and really remember, it's not your fault. A lot of choices get made for your children, for children, you know, um, and it's just, it's not your fault. It's not your fault that things were done that you didn't get to have an opinion about. And sometimes not even get to have a feeling about it, you know, like, like you and I have both said, we weren't really even allowed to have a conversation about our dads. And so, you know, it's going to be really challenging, really hard. I don't know if it was like this for you, but for me, any questions I had were immediately shut down. Yes, absolutely the same. Um, and I remember there being a lot of, if I would ask a question, you know, because you're curious as a kid, you know, like for me, I, I always would ask like, why, if my mom has blue eyes and my dad has blue eyes, why don't I have blue eyes? And those were very normal things to be curious about, you know, and when I would have the nerve to ask something like that, it, it all of a sudden there was like a, it was like all of the air came out of the room <laughs> and it would get shut down. Um, it would be dismissed. I could definitely feel a sense of there was um, a, a lot of discomfort, anger, you know, from my mother. Um, very things that make more sense to me now. It didn't at the time make sense to me, but now as an adult looking back on that and all those times that I asked those questions, so many things make sense now. I'm not sure if you experienced that, but it seems to be a pretty common parallel among a lot of us. 
that have experienced this. Yes, I had a very, very similar experience. We were not allowed to talk about our dad. Um, if he came up in conversation, you know, if something was said, we were told he wasn't a good guy. He didn't want us. Yeah. Um, never anything positive. There was the rare occasion, if we were looking at photographs, there was, my mother had a photograph of his grandparents no, I'm sorry, his parents, and a photograph of him. And she would let us look at those and she would say, this is who they are. But that was not very often. So I think that it was when, when my oldest brother was going to, he was considering changing his last name back. And how he became brave enough to share that with my parents, I will never know. Did your mom flip out about that? Yeah. Yes. She was not pleased. And I think it was after he sort of said that. I don't remember how she talked him out of it, but I know she said some stuff and he changed his mind. And it was shortly after that, that she told us he was dead. So there was a lot of, um, just, just a lot of anything I can say or do to make you not want to pursue it, not want to think about it. You know, you're better off where you're at. Anything that it sort of took, she did. I'm, I'm assuming that that was probably to protect her lie because she didn't want you guys to uncover the truth. I, yeah, that would be my assumption as well. Sometimes when I... God, why is this so angering? <laughs> sometimes when I sit and think about it, I just think about all the things that sort of led up to me taking the DNA test. And I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but this is how twisted and crazy and sad, like the, the things that our parents put us through that they don't understand. So there's a website called find a grave. And so I was mm -hmm. trying to find my dad's grave. And I remember calling my brother, my oldest brother and saying, Hey, do you know what his birthday is? Or do you know what his middle name is? And he says, oh, I can't remember, but let me see if I can find something. I mean, we just didn't know anything. And my dad, you know, again, our last name is Smith. And, you know, he has kind of a common first name. So you can imagine how many of those I found. And, you know, I didn't know. And so I just thought, I just, I think back on that moment in particular. And just think, how sad is that? That rather than just say, Hey, just kidding. Your dad's not dead. You're going to let me look for my dad's grave because that's the only thing that I have or had at the time. Did she know that you were looking for his no, grave? No, no, no. I would have never told mm. her anything. Mm -mm. No, we still don't talk about it. We still, there's still no communication in our families. Right. Yeah. If your mom, though, if she wasn't, I think you mentioned that your mom um, has Alzheimer's, yes. right? If that was not an issue, um, would you talk to her about this, do you think? I think ultimately we would end up telling her, and I think that she would be angry with us, and I think that she probably wouldn't talk to us. I often have imaginary discussions with my mother. <laughs> even though we are, I'm no contact with her. Um, I often have these imaginary discussions with her 
about this and what I wish that I could say and what I wish that she would say. Um, I have imaginary good conversations with her about it and imaginary not good conversations with her about it, you mm-hmm. know, and um, oftentimes fantasize about what it would be like to have a mom who had respect for my sense of identity and for what I had the right to know, a mom who didn't lie to me, a mom who didn't only just think about herself and her own self-preservation. Do you ever have those imaginary conversations in your mind about that? I don't. And I think that's very interesting. I wonder, um, I wonder if that wouldn't be kind of helpful to have an imaginary conversation and be able to sort of unload. Um, I think in my mind, I was just never allowed to do that. So it's never been anything I entertained. I never thought about it. And back to the, when I told my stepdad, Hey, we found our dad. He was happy for us. You know, he said, you have a right to know your dad. I think that that's great, but you wanted me to adopt you. I was five years old. And, and it's a big deal. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen an adoption proceeding before, but they, it's a big deal. It's a fun day. They put a pretty dress on you and they take you down to the courthouse and you get to talk to the important man in a robe and you get to, you know, you, you get to feel special and important. And I remember I was in kindergarten and I went back to school and I said, Hey, I have a new name now. And this is how I spell it. And, you know, it was a thing. Of course I wanted that. Yeah. I and mean, I didn't know. And, and why wouldn't you? Because you had been told that your, your father didn't want you. So here you are, there's a man in your life who wants you as his child. I mean, I think that it would be very normal, you know, being told you've been rejected by your father. It would be very normal to be excited about somebody adopting you, somebody who wants you. Right, right, yeah. If I could reach through the screen and hug you, Debbie, I Thank would. Thank you. That's very sweet. Man. Okay. Now my nose is running again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about the life coaching that you are involved with? Yes. So after I made my DNA discovery like many of us, I wanted to help, right? You want to help. You want everybody to know they're not alone. And so I certified as a life coach and I've been working on my niche with helping people that have had DNA surprises, you know, LDAs, people that are adopted, all those things. So um, I would love to help anyone and everyone, you know, reach out and hear. Um, It's been, it's been, a joyful experience, although challenging at the same time, (laughs) but it's been great. Yeah. I have a girl that helps me with my social media and we've, we've just started saying hashtag mom lied all the time. (laughs) Hashtag mom lied. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag thanks mom. (laughs) So if anyone would like to reach out to you, is there a way that they can do that? 
So they can email me. My email is debbie at the empowermentcoach.us. So it's debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E, at the, T-H-E, empowerment, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-M-E-N-T, coach, C-O-A-C-H dot U-S. Thank you so much for that information. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I also have an Instagram page, which is uh, the underscore empowerment coach. So they can find me on there as well. Did you say the underscore empowerment coach? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Correct. So if anyone li- would like to reach out to Debbie, um, please reach out on Instagram or send her um, an email. I think you'll feel very comfortable talking to her. Debbie, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story today. It takes a lot of bravery to do that. I know that sometimes it's hard to talk about things that are so emotional and so life-altering. So thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thank you. It's been really nice chatting with you. And I uh, I think like I'm like everyone else and we're really grateful for you and, and the others that have their podcasts for us to listen to and just know that we're not alone. It's really, it's really helpful and nice. Thank you. It's, it's um, a labor of love for sure. I really, I really enjoy it. And I've made some pretty amazing connections doing this and um, it's therapeutic for me as well. I bet. Yeah. So let's stay in touch. Please keep me updated on any new developments with your story. Um, Possibly down the road, I may be doing some follow-up um, episodes on, you know, how people are doing in their journey and, and what some of the newest and latest developments are. So definitely keep in touch with me and let me know if anything happens. I will do that. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And now to my listeners. Thank you for tuning in to this episode today. As always, I leave you with an important message. If you are a parent who has not been forthcoming with your child about their true parentage, I urge you to share the truth with them. Withholding this information for any reason will negatively affect your relationship and your child's mental health down the road. If you're not sure the best way to reveal the truth, there are qualified therapists that can help you communicate with your child in a healthy way. Our lives are enriched by having parents who are honest with us. Honesty saves a great deal of pain in the future, and it fosters an environment of trust and genuine intimacy between parents and children. Discovering a non-paternal event later in life is very traumatic. We have a right to know where we come from and to know our true ancestry and our mental and physical health history. And while sometimes it's said that the truth can be a double-edged sword, it's far more harmful and damaging to withhold it from the people we love. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, please email thesecretinmydna at gmail.com. Your story could end up being a survival guide for another NPE who may be struggling or feel alone in their discovery. You do not have to give identifying information, and if you prefer to share your story anonymously, names can be changed or abbreviated for privacy purposes. To hear more amazing DNA discovery stories, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at anchor.fm 
slash The Secret in My DNA. The Secret in My DNA also has a Facebook page where our NPEs can share photos and updates of their journey, so please go give it a like and a follow. I'm your host, Michelle Perret, signing off till next time.